the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Well, we have a new study out. 70% of surveyed Americans say transgender athletes should only be allowed to compete on sports teams that conform to their birth. And then the next word is gender, which I'm not going to I'm not going to mention gender anymore. We have got to exorcise that word from our vocabulary. The insertion of the word into our vocabulary is why we are, if not losing the argument, uh, giving up valuable ground in the argument before the discussion ever commences. If you agree that gender exists, then you allow the other side to argue from that position because you have agreed that it exists. They will tell you that, yeah, there's biology. That's the point you're arguing from, male and female, determined at birth, man, woman. But gender is different. Gender is a feeling. Well, nothing that's scientific is a feeling. We're arguing from a truth position, a reality position. You must argue from a biological position because biology can be verified by science. Gender, a feeling... It's no accident that they use the term gender fluid because they want it to be ever moving, ever changing. It's a spectrum. No, it isn't. It's not a spectrum. So it's nice to know that 70% of surveyed Americans say transgender, fake, women should be disallowed from competing on sports teams. The poll shows a 7 percentage point rise. It's a Gallup poll, by the way. A 7% rise in Americans who say that transgender athletes should only play on teams that match their birth gender. A 7% rise. Now, why would that be? Why would the number be going up? I mean, after all, we're inundated with pride stuff. We're cudgeled with, don't be hateful. Don't cancel me. You're trying to deny I exist. That's what we're always told, right? No, we're not trying to deny you exist. We're glad you exist. We'd like for you to come over onto the side of sanity. What we don't put out there enough is that our position is the compassionate position. The people who mutilate themselves surgically, the people who poison themselves chemically with puberty blockers and the like, are putting themselves in for a life of misery. We're trying to spare you from that life of misery. I know your feelings are telling you that that's the way you want to go. You're searching, you're looking, community identity, friendship, make it make sense, this puberty, what it's doing to my body, I don't, uh, make it make sense, right? I get it. But what we are saying is wait it out. Give your body time to go through this very necessary process. Let your brain go through this very necessary process. And you'll grow out of it. There was a really interesting long tweet today that I read and shared. It's a very interesting. It has a little, it has a picture, two pictures actually, a picture of a little girl with curls, blondish brown hair, 
And she's dressed, uh, you know, gym shorts and a shirt with a Batman helmet in her hand. She looks like she's maybe, I don't know, four, five years old. And then the picture on the right is a picture of a very pretty young woman, let's say early 20s, dressed like uh, she could be a majorette, she could be flag corps, she could be, you know, cheerleader or something like that. And the post is by her mom. And here's what the post said. Please read this and retweet it. This is my middle daughter, Hope, at age three and at age 18. Okay, I overestimated her age in the second picture. When she was about two and a half years old, she told me she wanted to be a boy. This continued in different forms until she was 12 or 13. It goes through like what the kid would ask about, you know, wanting parts of a male anatomy and things like that. The mom continues. She was all tomboy. She played sports and was hyper competitive. Almost all of her friends until seventh grade were boys. She only wore boys' underwear. She had to wear a dress on Sundays as we attended church, and that was our rule. Came home from school one day and asked what a lesbian was, little kids, because some boys had called her that on the bus. I explained it was when a girl loved another girl. She said, oh, and that was it. She was six. She did not need a discussion on sex at that point. This mom's very smart. She said, we often talked about her being able to do anything a boy could do, but she could still be a girl. She was a three-sport athlete, a three-sport captain, all-state in volleyball, junior college scholarship basketball. However, she was still a girl and an awesome one at that. When she was 12 or 13, she asked for girls' underwear, but still wore only athletic clothes. She is as beautiful today as she is athletic. She loves to snowboard, hike, and still loves sports. We allowed her to work out who she was with parameters that allowed her to be successful. She's engaged to a great guy whom she will marry on August the 19th. And the mom finishes, I would never have medicated her, surgically changed her, hormonally altered her, or done one thing differently than what we did. I don't care what the world, social media, trans activists push. These are kids. To do anything that could change them before their brains are fully developed is ridiculous and honestly abusive. Guide them, talk to them, advocate for them, accept them, but for the love of all that is right, do not change them. She said, I just read a heartbreaking story about a person who physically transitioned as a young adult who's now 17 years from that decision and says it was their biggest mistake. My daughter has often said how different her life would be for her and for us if she was growing up today because the pressure to transition her would be so great. But I can assure you it would have had zero effect on us. Parents, please don't get swept up in this madness. Be the voice of reason your child needs. Please. Yeah, that is what your child needs. Your child needs you to be their parent. Your child does not need you to be their advocate. Your child does not need you to be a bystander while you let them make the most consequential decision of their life at an age where they are not mentally or emotionally capable of making it. And that is why this transgender movement is so dangerous and destructive because it ruins lives. It ruins families. I, years ago, got to know a family in another state where I spoke and the daughter struck up a friendship with my wife. The daughter was a beautiful young girl, athletic, 
love to ride horses. And fast forward, she came to our house a couple of years later. She was coming to Columbus to work at Nationwide Children's Hospital. And I could tell if she had joined the LGBTQ movement. And sure enough, pretty soon, through that movement, she decided she wanted to transgender to, or she wanted to transition to a male. To see her picture now, to see what was a joyful countenance, altered by medicine, and to see how clearly unhappy she is, even though she'll tell you until the sun goes down and comes up again in the morning how awesome her life is, uh, is, is really hurtful because I know how damaging it's been to her mom and to her dad and to her sister. And so I talk about this a lot because I had a, I had a, I had a friend yesterday tell me, you talk about this stuff too much. You talk about it too much, it's ruining your reputation. And this friend's a guy I really like. Okay, He's got my best interests at heart. Wonderful, wonderful guy. Been super kind to me, super good to me and my family. I know his concern was well-intended. But I said to him, I don't care. I don't care if it damages my reputation. Whatever reputation I have from my previous career, in whatever esteem I might have been held by some people because of my talents and abilities, I feel like God has given me talents and abilities and insight and understanding into this issue so that I can talk about it, so that I can awaken other people to how dangerous and destructive it is. I had a conversation with another friend this morning we were talking about my conversation last night with this other friend. And he said, you know, probably the meanest thing Jesus ever said, <laughs> which I'm like, okay, that's an interesting way of saying it, was when he said, anyone who leads one of these little children astray will have a millstone thrown around their neck. They should have a millstone thrown around their neck and thrown into the sea. Like, not just thrown into the sea, but with a millstone around their neck. Why? Because they led a child astray. That is what the LGBTQ movement does. So I talked yesterday about integrity and about being alert to fighting off the temptation to do what you hate others doing to you. We are offended that in a nation where there's supposed to be equal protection under the law, Donald Trump today will be indicted, formally indicted in a Miami courtroom, 37 count indictment. Most of the themes around why Donald Trump should not be indicted basically involve other people who did similar things or the same thing or worse things, and they weren't indicted, so Trump shouldn't be indicted either. I understand those comparisons. But that is a logic I'm uncomfortable with because then, as I said yesterday— If that is my reason for not wanting Trump indicted, then I've become what I despise. I have become someone willing to compromise my integrity and character in order to massage a political end. Now, if the arguments against Trump's indictment were, he didn't do it, he's not guilty, okay, great. Or if the arguments were, he's guilty, 
but in this country it looks bad. We don't want to be some third world banana republic that prosecutes its political opponents. That would be not as good as if he's innocent, but it would be better than, well, the other people are guilty and they're not doing time, so he's guilty, but he shouldn't do time either. The last one I'm very uncomfortable with. A coward's first betrayal is always of himself. Because after you betray yourself, all the other betrayals are easier. A coward's first betrayal is of his own integrity and character. He decides to do something that his conscience tells him not to do. Look at the Democratic Party. How many people who have made Donald Trump their white whale have engaged in a life of betraying themselves and others? Joe Biden, Nancy Pelosi, Kamala Harris, James Comey, James Clapper, Andrew McCabe, Peter Strzok, on and on and on. After you betray yourself, after you betray your own integrity and character, it's easy to betray others. Here's what you need to know about Democrats. They don't believe anything they are telling you. They don't. They don't believe the border is secure. They don't believe America is a racist country. They don't believe that. They know They know it's not a racist country. They don't believe critical race theory is not being taught in schools. They don't believe COVID was an accident. They don't believe abortion is health care. They know it's murder. They don't believe transgenderism allows you to be your authentic self. And they sure don't believe that diversity is our strength in the military. They don't believe any of that nonsense. They tell you they believe it because a long time ago, they engaged in the toughest betrayal, the betrayal of themselves, of their own integrity and their own character in an unquenchable lust for power and control. That is why they tell you all the lies that they don't themselves believe because it gives them the access to and the approval of a voting block that in the transactional relationship of lying about these things like the border and abortion and transgenderism and COVID and America being a racist country, they get the loyalty of the people who want to hear those lies and they therefore get more power. That's why they do it. That's why they did it a long time ago. And that is why they will continue to do it because they are addicted to it. And I don't want to be part of that same empty life. And I don't want you to be a part of it either. The temptation is great. Standing up for integrity, character, doing the right thing is very difficult. Here's a story that demonstrates what it is like to do the right thing. It comes from, of all places, Clovis, California, where a man who deeply admired his father 
finally was given the Purple Heart that his father received for being wounded in Vietnam in the late 1960s. The man's name is Merle Hefferman. And when he received the the Purple Heart, which had been in a glass case, he took it out of the case and he turned it over and he looked at the name on the back. And the name on the back wasn't his father's name. It was another man's name. Now what do you do? His dad had told him stories about being wounded. His dad had told him stories about the Purple Heart. He had looked up to his dad his entire life because he was a wounded Vietnam veteran. Merle Hefferman said, When I turned it over, it was not my dad's name. It was someone else's name. It shocked me because I have a lot of unanswered questions. How did he get it? Was this his friend and his friend gave it to him? I don't know how long he had had this Purple Heart. But I'm dedicated to putting it in the right place and in the right person's hands. He's not going to keep it. He enlisted the help of a California television station to tell his story because he cannot find and has been unable to locate a man named Andrew Muzakis, whose name is on the back of the Purple Heart. Everything this guy thought about his father at least a lot of it, turned out not to be true. His father's not here for him to ask questions of. His mother's not here for him to ask questions of. It would be so easy to wall this off, to put it away, but he can't lie to himself and see that's what makes him different. He is going to do the right thing even though it's the hard thing. And he checked the military records on his father and he found out that his father was never wounded, and was never awarded a Purple Heart. His last hope that, hey, maybe this, my dad got this because he really earned one and he lost it or whatever. No, that's not true either. But his final quote in the story is, this will be an honor to give this back to the person it rightfully belongs to. I don't know if someday we'll be able to give our country back to the people it belongs to, our kids. I don't know if we'll be able to give the country that we had when we were kids. I don't know if we'll be able to give that back to our kids. But I know that the only way we can possibly give that country back to our kids is if we do not engage in the betrayal of self. That is always the hardest betrayal for the cowards who lead us now. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.